Good morning, church. It's good to see you uh, this morning, those of you who have not been afflicted with the flu plague. Uh, I've heard about half our church has the flu, uh, so we have a lot of people uh, to be praying for, and uh, a lot of people uh, spent Christmas sick and in bed. My wife was one of them, um, and uh, if, if this is your first time here, um, my name is Matt Ortiz, I'm one of the pastors here, and you can do me a favor, and, and uh, please, if, if, I don't, if I don't see you, please introduce yourself uh, to me, I'd love to, to get to know you. It's our desire that you feel like, like a part of the family. And uh, through the month of uh, December, it's been, we've been doing an Advent series leading up to Christmas, um, and I think the, 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 uh, the theme of Christmas easily kind of spills over past Christmas, and, um, which, is, which is why we are looking at Isaiah chapter 9, 6 through 7, a famous Old Testament passage um, about the Prince of Peace. Normally I like to take a passage, pick apart. Uh, this morning our passage is inspiring the topic, a more of a topical sermon on the issue of peace, because that's the main um, emphasis in this passage, is the peace that God brings us. This passage gives us uh, God's vision for peace on earth and what that looks like. Peace that is established and sustained um, and, and brought to us through the Prince of Peace. Here's what I've learned over the years. I've noticed that without exception, everybody longs for peace. Absolutely everyone. Now, right off the top, it's easy to kind of disagree with Pastor Matt, right? What do you mean everyone? I'm sure a lot of people long for peace, but what about the countless people throughout history who have perpetrated violence upon countless victims? Well, they are pursuing peace too for themselves, but just at the cost of everyone else. Everyone longs for peace one way or another. You, me, our church, our, our world, we, we long for peace of mind. We long for peace on earth. Uh, and whether everyone realizes it or not, everybody longs for peace with God. They just don't realize it. But peace seems to be a fantasy. You know, if you watch the news or read the news, it seems to be a fantasy. Just look at our own lives. And so here's what I, the temptation is. We turn to an apathetic, why bother, cynical hopelessness, or we run around looking for peace in all the wrong ways. We like the, the idea of, of peace, we like the idea of being optimistic, we like the idea of being a positive, but peace in this world seems so incredibly hard to come by, right? And the world's brokenness can only offer more brokenness, and it can be relentless, and it can be brutal. This is the world that we live in. It's always right around the corner, that's reality. can't just bury our heads in the sand and be in denial. 
That doesn't work very long, does it? God gives us, he enables us to face it and look for the hope and the peace that he provides. Because we're all desperate for it. I know I am. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I have everything together. Just yesterday, um, in other sermons, I've talked to you about a close, dear friend of ours. A, a friend who is incredibly selfless and sacrificial has been like part of our family, like our immediate family for many years. Someone who loved Jesus with all of our hearts, so generous and sacrificial. This week she had four heart attacks and she went to be with the Lord yesterday. Someone as sweet as that. No one gets a free pass on the brokenness in the world that robs us of peace. I didn't want to preach this morning. But guess what? God knew I needed this. We have friends and family here who need this. So the question is, in times like that, when I mean when life cuts to the bone, when life pulls a rug out from under you, knocks the wind out of you, the question is, do we really believe that peace is something that can actually rule in our lives? That peace can actually rule in our hearts? That peace can actually rule in our world? And so it's easy to be cynical about God's promise of peace. And, and, and so what he does is he reminds us constantly through his word and through the scriptures that, that, that he has made good on his promise to bring us the Prince of Peace. He promised the Prince of Peace and he made good on that promise. He's a God who always keeps his promises. God gives us a very real hope. Unfortunately, we hear a word like hope and we think of wishful thinking. I hope that I get that job or I, I hope nothing bad happens to me uh, you know, on the way to the grocery store, whatever. It's like wishful thinking. It's kind of a shallow, superficial hope. We need a hope that sustains us through the brokenness. A very real hope that's based on, on the truth that God keeps his promises. He promised to send us a deliverer and he made good on that promise. And our deliverer in this passage, the prophet Isaiah calls him the prince of peace. And the prince of peace has come to this world and he's come to you to offer you his, his peace that passes all understanding. And he says of his peace, there will be no end. So the question is, what does that look like in our hearts and, and, and lives if we believe this? What would it look like in, in our families that, that might be uh, strained or, or in our church, maybe when there's some strained relationships even with the church? How, how can this kind of peace even be possible? First and foremost, there is no real peace unless we have peace with God. Scripture calls us to trust the Prince of Peace for peace with God. Now, when most of us, most of the time, when we read the word peace in the New Testament, it refers to peace with God. You know, it also refers to the end of hostility between people and, and the removal of, of warfare and the blessing of, of unity. But the first type of hostility that must be addressed in our lives is a hostility that is or has been between us and God. 
okay, here's the truth. We, the scriptures teach us, that we were born hostile to God. That's what the scriptures teach us. It teaches us that on our own, left to our own willpower or whatever, we would never, ever, ever give God the time of day. The scriptures teach us that we were born haters of God. Now, when you hear stuff like that, it's easy to have like an initial reaction. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's not me. I I never hated God. The reason the scriptures use that language is because our relationship with God is based on, on, on love and trust. Okay? Let me explain. Maybe this helps. If I ignore my wife, if I neglect her, if I dishonor her, if, I am un, if I'm unfaithful to my wife, if, if I get defensive about it, and I start saying, well, you seem to be ignoring all of the good things that I do, I guess those don't count for anything, do they? If I don't care that I hurt her, and I just sh- shrug it off, even though she's always faithful to me, even though she's always loving to me, even though she's always generous to me, even though she's always gracious to me, but I just blow all that off. Am I showing her love or hate? That's total alienation, right? The Apostle Paul is a straight shooter, and that's that graciously, he is a straight shooter so that we could comprehend and understand what he, he's saying. He reminds us that, that we all were alienated from God. We were enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior. And then he goes on to say, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we're by nature the children of wrath. Now, is that hard to hear? Is that difficult to hear? Children of wrath? Is that difficult to hear, to accept? I'll tell you what. If that's difficult to hear and to accept, that's actually a good thing. It should be difficult because it means that we're taking it seriously. Like when a doctor gives us a diagnosis that's hard to hear, it would be foolish to not take it seriously. Or he gives us the diagnosis and then we don't like it. We tell the doctor, I'm offended by your diagnosis. Therefore, I reject it. If we say that, it means that we obviously have missed the point. Same here. The doctor tells us so that we can seek healing. God wants to bring you healing. He wants to bring you peace. We chase peace in all the wrong ways. Here's the thing about God. He, he may be angry at our sin because it hurts us and hurts the people around us, but he is never, ever, ever angry at our return. Ever. In his love for us, even while we still did not love him, even when we were just ignoring him, even when we just didn't pay him any, any mind, he sends us the Prince of Peace to make peace with us and God. 
That is an incredibly gracious God. In verse 7, look what Isaiah says. He says, it is the zeal of the Lord of hosts that will do this. Thank God, because we can't muster this up. We can't just white knuckle it, grind it out, make it happen. It's a gift. There was absolutely, listen, there is absolutely nothing you and I could do to make peace with God. There was no amount of obedience. There was no amount of giving, no amount of praying, no amount of church attendance, no amount of of Bible reading. There was absolutely nothing you and I could do to make peace with God. So it's all his love. It is all his zeal. It is all his grace. It is all his will that brings us peace. That is our God. Do you know him? How does he bring us this peace? He sit around with his arms folded and say, hey man, I'll give you peace as soon as you get your act together. But apparently you don't appreciate me. So forget you. We'd all be in trouble. Right? Jesus shows up, God the Son shows up to be our representative. He lived a perfectly obedient and sinless life that was full of love and loyalty and then he gives us the credit for that. And then as a pure, unblemished sacrifice, Christ offered himself in our place to take that hostility that was between us and and God, he took it upon himself and then that hostility was destroyed on, on the cross. And then when we put our faith in the Prince of Peace for that, he gives us peace with God. And it was all grace. The, Paul, the Apostle Paul lays it out super simply when he says, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This means, this means right here that you can rest. You can rest. He he gives you, as a gift, he gives you the righteousness of Christ. This means as a gift, he looks at you as if you had never sinned. He looks at you as if you had been perfectly loyal and perfectly loving and perfectly obedient. Here's, here's, Here's the temptation. It's really easy to hear this powerful truth and not recognize it for the powerful truth that it is and what we're really looking for and what we're really waiting for is uh, an experiential peace that comes from our circumstances. We, We wait around to feel peaceful before we believe that God offers us peace. And as a result, we're not at peace. Let me tell you something, feelings are important, but I'm telling you, feelings are a horrible foundation for faith, right? So we need to believe, God calls us to believe that what God says and promises is accomplished and it doesn't matter how we feel about it. And as we believe this truth that is true, regardless of whether you believe it or not, regardless of how you believe it, if this truth 
comes into your life and you meditate on it, eventually that experiential peace will come. And here's, here's the thing. God not only removes his hostility towards us because of Christ, but he also removes our hostility toward him because of Christ. How does he do that? Here's how he, here's how he does that. He conquers our hearts. He's not like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here if you remember that I'm here. I'll be, I'll be waiting around. If he did that, we'd never come to him. He conquers our hearts. The prophet Ezekiel records the word of the Lord when he says, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. As Christians we still have a residue of hostility in our hearts, don't we? If we're honest with ourselves, we still have a residue of hostility, uh, indwelling sin within us. And so what that means is, if we're gonna have any hope of being changed, we can't just muster this up our, our, ourselves on our own in the flesh. I don't mean that there's no effort involved here. Um, God enables us to do that. We must continually go to Jesus and say, you are the Prince of Peace who died on the cross to soften my heart. You loved me so that I could love you and love others. You gave me peace with God so that I could give peace to others. You obeyed for me so that I could be free to obey you as well. God, please, Jesus, please make that more real to me every day so that my life looks more and more like the Prince of Peace. So let me ask you something. Do, you may have gone to church your whole life, I don't care. Do you know the Prince of Peace? Do you have do you know that you have peace with God? I ask you that for a couple of different reasons. On one hand, uh, because you can feel like you have peace, but it's a case of denial is bliss, right? In reality, not have any peace at all. There, there are all kinds of people running around feeling like they have this wonderful you know, walk with God, a relationship with God, when in fact, they don't really know God at all because they made God into their own image. They invented a God that they think that they would like and they didn't really not want to know God at all. Or you may know the Prince of Peace. You have all the theology just perfect, right? You can argue with everybody about systematic theology and the attributes of, attributes of God, the communicable and incommunicable attributes of God, but you don't feel or experience, or live in his peace. You either look into yourself to have peace or through a self-righteousness, or you just still worry about doing enough to please God. In either case, you know what God calls us, you know what God calls us to do in either case? Simply to rest. But rest in the work of God 
of Christ. Trust and rest in, in that reality of peace given to you as a gift. Believe that it's true regardless of how you might feel about it. Your experience of peace, which passes all understanding, regardless of what's going on in your life, will be experienced in the midst of it all. And that brings us to, that was my longest point. The next aren't as long. This brings us to our second point. Trust the Prince of Peace for peace of mind. You know, the, the, the same word used for peace in the New Testament is also used to refer to a peace of, uh, uh, of spirit, a spiritual peace, an internal tranquility, an internal harmony. You know, that internal peace is, is a fruit of the spirit that we find in Galatians. And this kind of peace has everything to do with a, a contented and satisfied soul no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what kind of loss you've experienced, no matter how, tension, how much tension or anxiety is in, in your life. Your peace cannot be crushed by your circumstances. To have, to have peace does not mean having a life without hard times. Even as Christians, we tend to think that a peaceful life is a life of smooth sailing, no rough waters. And so we try to control the circumstances of our lives to, to avoid the, the hard times and then we never get the peace that we're chasing because we're so anxious about controlling everything to get peace. <laughs> it's crazy, but that's what we do. In the gospel according to Luke, Luke tells us this, that as Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. Jesus grieved over the people of Israel because they did not know what really brought peace. Peace. And guess what? We're just like them. We're just like them. It's easy for us to read the scripture and say, you guys are a bunch of idiots. I mean, Jesus was right there. How could you not believe in him? We still do the same thing even with the whole record of the scriptures. We still do the same thing. God, give us peace. Give us peace. We need peace. The Prince of Peace shows up. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, great. I I'm looking for peace. We look around, excuse me, can you just step this way a little bit? I'm looking for peace. We seek peace in all the wrong ways. Biblically, peace is not a lack of hard times. Peace is the presence of the Spirit, a confidence in God's faithfulness in the middle of hard times. Instead of trying to control everything, we can look to Christ in the middle of our agony. We can look to the Prince of Peace in the middle of our frustration. We look to Jesus, the source of peace, in the middle of our tears. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. You know what this means right here? 
This means that you do not have to pry God's fingers off of this gift of peace that he wants you to have and experience. You don't have to pry his fingers off of it. He he gives you his peace simply because he chose to love you. If you trust Christ for peace, if he is your source of peace, his peace is already yours. The, 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 The fact that your life just is rough right now does not change that. This is why it's so easy to miss the Prince of Peace. We seek peace from a broken world that cannot give it to us. But if we see Christ as our source of peace in the midst of trial and trouble and heartache, then you truly will experience peace on earth. I'm... I've told you about Harvey Hoekstra, who was part of the first service. He's 97 or something right now. He was a missionary in, in uh, Africa for over 30 years. God did an amazing work through him uh, over there. Living legend. And I visited him in the hospital. He had fallen and, and uh, broken some bones. And, and uh, he hasn't been able to come to church. In a while. He loves the church. He loves the word. He loves being with his brothers and sisters, hasn't been able to show up at all, stuck in bed all day, every day. And I went to visit him, asked him how he was doing, and um, asked how I could be praying for him when our visitation was over. And he said, just pray that I would stay close to the Lord and everything else will be okay. He gets it. He wasn't praying for help all these other things to work out so that I could have peace. He knew that peace is found in his relationship with the Lord. Many of us lose peace when we try to be sovereign, when we try to be control of our world rather than simply trusting God's control, his sovereignty. This is not the best illustration, but... Couldn't come up with a better one. We lose peace when we become thermometers instead of thermostats. Thermometer, we simply reflect heat. It measures temperature. All it does is react to what is happening and tells everybody tells everybody how bad everything is. <laughs> it's too hot. It's too cold. What are you going to do? As a Christian, many of us do that. We simply reflect what is happening. And then when people look at us, they see people who are convinced that life is rough and there's nothing anyone can do about it, apparently, even God. But a thermostat understands what's happening in the room and that it either turns on the heater or the air conditioner, depending on what's needed. Things aren't right but there is something that can be done about it. Jesus is the one to whom we turn. Rather than reacting, rather than reflecting the temperature, the chaos uh, and brokenness around us, we need to go to Christ because he is the one who is in control. He is the one who is the prince of peace, who, who brings calm into our lives when our world seems like it's spinning out of control. 
And then finally, trust the Prince of Peace to bring you peace with others, to bring peace on earth. Does that sound dumb? I, I say it, it sounds dumb to me. It sounds like unrealistic, you know, pie in the sky kind of talk. It seems to be absurd to talk about peace on earth, especially when the world is so broken and we know it. I mean, wars everywhere. Look what the prophet Isaiah says. He says, get this, try to listen to this without laughing at Isaiah. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. So what this is saying is that God promises that a day is coming when there are going to be no more soldiers because there's going to be no more war. This is saying that the Lord promises that a day is coming when the soldier's boot will be good for nothing except throwing in the fire for fuel. The same is said for clothes violently stained with blood. And the Lord promises that a day is coming when everything wrong in the world will be made right. Peace on earth will be fully realized. And as we get ready for the return of the Prince of Peace, we are to live in light of that promised peace. To advance that peace. God calls us to be peacemakers as his representatives. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And the apostle Paul says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with the people that you happen to already like. Is that what he says? Live peaceably with all. You know, during Thanksgiving, Christmas, Holidays like this, we, we want it to be a time of peace, don't we? Peace with our, our, our friends, peace with our parents, our grandparents, roommates, spouses, children. But tragically, in many relationships, friendships, families, some of the most tense times are around holidays like Christmas. It can be pain from the past, it can resurface because Relationships are straining. You're not close during the times that you want to be. But here's the thing. If we think about it, we realize that when we were hostile towards God, He took the initiative towards us. When we were hostile toward God, he absorbed our hostility. When we were hostile toward God by grace, he did what he did not have to do. When we were hostile toward God, he humbled himself, took on humanity, and then lived a life we should have lived and graciously gave us credit for it, died the death that we should have died, and graciously gave us credit for that. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, right? I mean, that should knock us over and change the way that we look at other people, the people in our lives where the relationship is strained. I 
Here's what this could look like if you have a friendship that's strained or you're avoiding your roommate at all costs or husband and wives and there's lack of peace that creeps in. I'm not advocating you become a, a doormat and, and invite people to keep sinning against you. That's, that's, not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying here. But you have the freedom to be first in humbling yourself to make things right. Friends, roommates, parents, children, church members, we have the freedom to be the ones that humble ourselves first and reach out to others the same way that God reached out to us. To the extent that we know God reached out to us when we denied him, when our relationship was strained with him, and when it was all our fault, we will reach out to others and extend love and grace to others. We have the freedom to build relationships with people, genuine loving relationships with people who have no relationship with God. And show them the gospel of grace and word and deed. We have the freedom to invite them, to join us, to include them. So often, our evangelism strategies seem like the goal is to insult people to Jesus. To fight people and humiliate them to Jesus. Poke them in the eye, so to speak, and say, why don't you give your heart to Jesus? Which kind of produces the opposite of peace. We're to be peacemakers in this church, in our city, and in our world. And it's the gift of Christ that motivates us and compels us to do this. It's the gift of Christ that enables us to have the patience that he had towards us and the gentleness he had towards us. So when we see the Christmas nativity, we can look to Jesus and trust that he was born to be the Prince of Peace, and the Prince of Peace and the peace he brings changes everything. I'll close with this. In talking about what this looks like in your life, today, here, and now. I mean, it's going to look differently from person to person. But when I, when I reflect on this, I, I can't help but think of our dear friend, our dear sister, Mina Brown, who went to be home with the Lord yesterday. My wife knew her since they were kids. So Shannon brought Mina into to, to my life, our family's life. She babysat our kids. She would walk to the bus station, take the bus to the trolley, take the trolley to another bus station, take the bus to our house to massage Shannon's feet. When I was, if I wasn't available to pick her up, she whatever. And Shannon's, you know, fibromyalgia and all that, she'd be rubbing her feet and her calves and praying over Shannon. 
she sacrificed so much to be generous to other people. And if you knew Mina, you knew that she loved Jesus with all of her heart, with so much joy and peace. And if anybody had the right to complain about everything, it would be her. She went through a lot. She suffered a lot. Lots of health problems for many years. Lots of other challenges. And yet it did not crush this peace that she had that passes all understanding. She knew that she had peace with God. Therefore, she had an inner peace. And therefore, she would extend God's peace to others. Even people that I know who are hostile towards Christians and Christianity loved and respected Mina and her faith. It's amazing. This is what it looked like in her life. What will it look like in your life where God has you? With all the advantages or disadvantages, how can God work in your life to help you appreciate the peace that you have with God so that you have inner peace, so that you can advance his peace throughout the world. The Prince of Peace changes everything. It changes our relationship with God. It changes our relationship with ourselves. It changes our relationship with one another. And so I, I, I want you to wrestle with these questions as we leave here. How has the one who was born to be the Prince of Peace, how has he changed your life? Reflect on those evidences of God's grace and see what it does to your affection for God and your faith in God. And then, what is it that needs, where is there a lack of peace in your heart and life? What needs to be confessed? What other things are you looking to and grasping after for peace other than seeing the Prince of Peace that is with you, right in front of you? What's distracting you from finding peace and fulfillment in, in Jesus? He invites you to freely, without any inhibitions, by grace, confess it. And you know what he says? When we confess it, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Bam, just like that. He invites you into his peace, invites you to trust him, invites you to experience the relief that you're looking for. This Prince of Peace truly changes everything. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. You are so patient and gentle even when we ignore you, even during the times we just don't give you the time of day, you're always faithful. Often we, in a sense, leave you and in many very real ways forsake you, and yet you never leave us nor forsake us. You are the same 
today, yesterday, and forever. And you loved it, loved us so much that you sent to us the Prince of Peace. God, I pray this morning that, um, that you would protect our, our hearts and our minds against distraction, that you would help us in this time right here, right now, that, that you would help us to, to focus on who you are and what you have done out of sheer grace to give us peace between us and you, to give us inner peace and to give us peace with others. Thank you for your gift of grace. And God, help us to trust you for genuine peace that passes all understanding. God, I pray if there's anybody here this morning that does not know the Prince of Peace, who does not know the peace he brings, that this morning you'd give them eyes to see. Give them faith to believe. Give them courage to follow you. To forsake everything else that they might be looking to for peace and to trust you and you alone. Give them that faith and courage this morning. God, for the rest of us, give us the humility to confess where uh, there is a a lack of peace in our, our lives. And turn, not just turn from bad works to good works, but to turn from all works to the work of Jesus. To stir up the love and the loyalty and the obedience that we want to have for you. We pray these things in your name.